Being Reasonable comes to you from the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsboro, North Carolina. I'm Mark Solomon, and you are taking part in Being Reasonable, the weekly conversation show that focuses on how we've arrived on our steadfast views and our desire to know what is true. To participate in this friendly collaboration, all you need is respectfulness and an honest interest in the truth. We can all improve the way we form and consider our beliefs. And we can do so by being reasonable. One, two. On this week's show, I first speak with Elaine as she discusses her belief in shamanic treatment for PTSD. Next, I speak with Bob as he discusses his belief regarding inequity and injustice in the world. To view the full videos of these interviews, please visit beingreasonableshow.com. And I see where you're coming from. You're saying that uh, you have a lot of experience with this and, and you've been able, and I think you said you've been able to help a lot of people with this to the extent where, um, you know, people, you, you've studied shamanism and people have come to see you and they've gotten help from you. And through uh, shamanism, you're able to uh, help uh you know, s- symptoms and issues like PTSD and things like that. And, uh, and it seems like you are helpful to people. Let's suppose that Tony is sitting next to you and Tony believes that he can do, and this will help me understand your belief better, I think. And Tony believes he can do all those things by, um, let's say he has two magic rocks that he has and he rubs them together and he believes that he can do those things with his rocks that you can do with your beliefs in shamanism. If Tony's belief, let's say, is not true, okay, for the purposes of this thought experiment, this conversation, Tony can't do that. He can't rub two rocks together and do this, but he believes it. Is there a way we could show him that his belief is not true since it's not true? Sure. Okay. So, you know, for instance, was the ghost in my house gone? Okay. Right. So mm-hmm. that would be evidence. And if you did a thousand of them, then, you know, you could statistically say 100% of these thousand ghosts are gone, you know, and you would have that data that would demonstrate that you know, your psychopomp work was effective and you could cross, get rid of ghosts. Or if you have people with... And if he could get rid of ghosts mm-hmm. and he and he and he thinks he could and he, and in his mind, he had a ghost and he could get rid of it, would would we, what would we say about Tony's belief? So if we, if we went into, um, if we, let's say we find a thousand houses with ghosts, people yeah, are complaining yeah. about ghosts, right? Yeah. So you take 500 of them, you send Tony into 500 of them. Okay. Send me into 500 of them. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. And then, you know, Tony goes in the house and rubs rocks together. I go in the house and do this psychopomp work. Okay. And then you go back to the house, whatever, a month later, and you say, is your ghost gone? That seems like a great test. Right. So if Tony and you both went to 500 houses that have ghosts, and then afterwards he'd tell you how many ghosts were gone, and you tell us how many ghosts were gone— and then we'd be able to have an answer. Now, if for some reason 
Tony was able to eradicate more do- ghosts than you, would we say, what would we say then? Would we say that Tony? So then would we say rubbing rocks together gets rid of ghosts? Then rubbing rocks together gets rid of ghosts. And if we, if we said that it's not a true belief, as we did, then, then how are we saying that this is happening? What, what, how are we saying that he is coming up with his answer, that he's gotten rid of more ghosts than you? And we know his belief is false. So it's easy. Then you go back to the houses. Is the ghost still opening drawers and slamming doors? You know, oh, that yeah. hasn't happened for months. So the ghost is gone, right? Right, right. So then it there's it's no longer about that's a scientific way to figure out if something works. Okay. Because then you're asking the people who have the ghost in their house. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to do a blind study, then you don't tell them which person is coming in their house. That's a perfectly good point. And for whatever reason, if Tony's able to get rid of more ghosts, even though we know, we somehow know that rubbing rocks together doesn't do this, then what are we to say about his belief at that point, do you think? Hmm. I mean, maybe it has something to do with rubbing rocks together. Maybe it has something, nothing to do with rubbing rocks together. Maybe Tony just scares ghosts out of houses. Yeah. Maybe he's just... Born that way. He walks in a household, ghosts run away. But either way, it works, right? If that happened. Now, what if someone, and I'm not saying this is the case. What if somebody said that about your belief, that whatever it is you're doing, it works maybe not for the reason why you think it's working. Like maybe you're helping people with PTSD for whatever reason, but maybe it's not for the reason you think it is maybe there's a second best reason so that doesn't matter to me oh right if if somebody feels better yeah if somebody feels safer more at home and i don't care yeah i could care less why it works yeah so i think you're saying it doesn't matter so much whether the belief is true it's more so whether it works whether the person gets rid of their ptsd or or you're helping them right yeah yeah. And I believe that I can help people. Yeah. And I believe others can help people. And it really, the medium doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you do it. Yeah. It just matters that it gets done. Right, right. So if you were helping people, let's say with PTSD, and it wasn't for the reason you thought it was, and maybe there was a second best reason, I'm wondering what the second best reason, if there was a second best reason would be. So an example of how to help people with, you know, as I was getting ready to talk about soul retrieval. So you've been in this car accident, right? You were, let's say you were 16 years old when this happened. Okay. Right. You don't really remember it. Okay. But ever since then, you haven't quite felt yourself. This is something people with PTSD say all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, since this event, I haven't felt like myself. Mm Mm-hmm. So what happens when the shaman goes to find the soul fragments that are out there is I would go into this system that I use and I would um, go along your timeline and I would find you at 16 years old and I would see the event. Normally I can see, you know, the car you were in, what you were wearing that day. 
you might be standing by the road. I can see the intersection and describe it. And then I will go find that piece of soul and ask it to come back. And then sometimes, you know, you tell people what happens. Sometimes you don't because some people just think that's like too far out and they don't want to know. But it's more helpful if you do tell them. So if I were to say to you, you had totally forgotten about this near-miss accident, right? And I were to say to you, okay, Mark, when you were 16, you were driving in a Monte Carlo, a blue Monte Carlo, and all of a sudden this truck showed in front of you and you thought you were going to die. And, you know, you were wearing your blue suede shoes at the time, and I can give you all this information. All of a sudden you're going to go, oh, my God, yes, that was exactly it that day. That's what I was wearing True, true, true. And then you're going to be, excuse me, then you're going to be really attached because you're going to say, I remember that scary moment. And you're going to say, wow, I I really want to embrace that scared part of myself. Mm -hmm. And once you do that and kind of bring that home, then you will feel more whole. Yeah, I see how you would employ your treatment to someone who has PTSD. And let's say there's a group of people who've had PTSD and half undergo undergo a shamanistic point of view treatment. And let's say half go through a cognitive behavioral regimen. Mm -hmm. And let's say that the PTSD treatment that you do is more effective than people who do cognitive behavioral therapy, you undergo cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, would you feel more confident in your belief if that's what happened? Yeah, that's usually what happens. And it's easier too, because when you go through cognitive behavioral therapy, you have to keep reliving the event. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the trick with PTSD is to try to disconnect the memory from the emotion, because that's what happened. People, people get panicked because, you know, something will trigger the memory and, that high level of emotion and fear is still there, connected, wired to their body. <clears throat> and so when you're doing cognitive therapy, you have to relive it over and over again, and they try to make it less and less. It's a long, tedious, and painful process. But with the shamanic work, you can do it really quickly, and they don't have to, like, hammer it over and over again. So it's an, it's kind of an easier surgery, too. So I think what you're saying is, is that... If we did that test and more people who uh, and, and people seem to get better with your treatment than cognitive behavioral therapy, I think what you're telling me is that you would, that would strengthen your belief in what you do. Correct. Let's say the opposite happens. I'm not saying this is the case, but let's say more people get better with cognitive behavioral therapy with than with the treatment that you do. Would you reduce your confidence in your belief at that point? Um, I would reduce my confidence and my belief in myself as a shaman. Okay. But not in the th- the treatment, you're saying? Correct. Okay. So there just, are, there just, are, just, there just are help me understand just for a second. I'm just trying to understand. So if shamanistic, shamanism treatment did work better, you'd have more confidence in it. And in, if cognitive behavioral therapy work better, you wouldn't necessarily have more confidence in it. And I'm just trying to understand the despair. So, just trying to understand. <clears throat> right. So you have your, um, I can't think of the word. So you have 
if I am the shaman, mm-hmm. for instance, who mm-hmm. tries to help people with PTSD, yeah. and it doesn't work as great as this talented um, psychologist over here, then what has to happen is you have to get, again, back to what we were saying, 500 shamans, uh-huh. 500 therapists. Okay. A couple of thousand people with PTSD, and okay. then you run the numbers. Okay. And if because, we- right, you were asking me, does it reduce... It might reduce my belief that I am an effective shaman yeah. in soul retrieval. But if, if let's say we ran that study, yeah, and might have been run, maybe not. I have no idea. And if the five hundred people who uh, underwent shaman sh- shamanistic shamanic shamanic, okay, I'm sorry, I'm no, I'm saying that wrong. Uh, shamanic treatment for PTSD, uh, and if it came out that. It seems like shamanic treatment worked better than uh, cognitive behavioral therapy for PTSD. That would strengthen your belief? I don't think it would strengthen it. I believe that it works. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think it would strengthen it. Oh, okay. It wouldn't strengthen it. What would strengthen your belief then in shamanic therapy? Like make it stronger. Than it already is. Well, it's already it's, a seven, so I'm at the top. The, and you, nothing <laughs> going to make it a ten out of seven. I mean, I know that's kind of hard. To, is there anything that you would can think of make it even stronger, or in your mind? I mean, the only thing that can make it stronger is, <clears throat> you know, if you could just do it faster. Let's say we could just boom fix everybody in one session. So you do it faster. Right. Yeah. Right. And if it happens, if it happens slower, that wouldn't reduce it the other direction. It's just, you're talking about, okay. Yeah. Okay. And I really am trying to understand how it is you believe what you believe. Like, what is the primary reason that if that reason were to change for some reason, then your belief might change. I'm not saying that would happen, but I'm just trying to think of the primary reason why you believe it. Like what, if someone were to ask, ask you, Elaine, what is the one reason why you believe that this belief is true and real? What would you tell them? I can see it. I can hear it. And I can confirm it. You know, I have things that happened in my life that just as a story I told you about the ghost in the house. Yeah. That's like, it's very clear who that ghost was, how he got there. And, you know, I have a lot of other stories like that. So for me, there's just, there is no argument against it. It's a personal experience. Personal experience. Yeah. As an outsider, if you want, if you wanted to, an outsider to know that your belief is true and they wanted to rely on some objective evidence, maybe that your belief is true. So they could maybe hang their hat on something. Is there something we could tell them something we could help them with to show the belief is true? I, you know, I think part of it is, um, Cultural. I think people aren't listening. So there's not they, a way we could show them? There's not a... Well, they, no, you have to show yourself because how else is something true? 
<clears throat> you know, if you, for and if instance, they really try to show themselves, and right? They, but let's can't. let's say you're. I don't know. That you probably have better examples of this than I. But let's say you're a Catholic. Okay. And you witness a miracle. Yeah. Right. Okay. Maybe we'll go back to another car accident. Okay. So you go to a car accident and you see a 95-pound woman pick an automobile up off of a child, and then you see an, a, an angel show up. Okay. Maybe you see that. Okay. I think at that point you might decide that angels exist. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. So it's it's got to be personal, you know, and I think people need to slow down not always be inundated with, you know, television screens and um, whatever else. And to, if you focus on it, you know, it'll, if you focus on it and learn about it, it's it's likely to show up. And if it doesn't, does that person, is that person who says that whatever belief is not true and real and someone else says that belief is is true and real. Is there any way we could find out an objective truth? What's what's real in the world? What's you know? Is there anything we can do at that point, or is it, are these beliefs impossible to find that information out on? Well, it's not impossible. Do you want another story? Well, it seems like you're giving me personal experience, right? And 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 I get the power of personal experience. I do. And if someone wants to believe in the belief and they just want to know what's objectively true, not based on personal experience, maybe what's what it doesn't matter what they believe, it doesn't matter what you believe, it doesn't matter what Frank believes, it's just true. How could we help that person? How could we how could we show that? You know, I think the best way is through stories. You know, somebody had a book of all of these kinds of stories that have corroborative evidence behind them. Then I think people will say, oh, that could be true. And then once you say, oh, that could be true, then it's far more likely that you yourself will see those things. Because, you know, people who are um, committed to not believing are never going to see a miracle. How does whether a person believes in something affect whether that belief is true or whether they can see that? I think probably in the spiritual realm, I think there's some kind of contract about free will. You know, that... um, Well, for example, if I choose to believe that my dog is not sitting right there, can I then not see the dog? Or if I choose to believe that there's a cat sitting next to my dog, can I then, can I make that happen? With I mean, if you're crazy, sure you can, <laughs> you know. Sure you can, I guess. There well, must be a way for that to happen, but. Well, I was just trying to say, like, <clears throat> how, why me believing or wanting to believe something, how that so, affects. okay, uh-huh. all right. So let's say, um that these other forces around us, be they ghosts, angels, whatever, you know, that they're intelligent. So let's take angels. Sorry, we're going to assume angels are intelligent light beings, right? And so they're going to be respectful of you. 
And if you say, I never want to see an angel, you know, I don't believe in angels. Angels don't exist. The angel is not going to like knock on your third eye. So if I see angels, then there's evidence that they exist. If I don't see angels, then they're being respectful of me, yet they still exist. Correct. How would I know that angels don't exist if they don't exist? You can't know that. Do you think it's useful to know things that we can't know? No. But I just think it's useful to be open. Because there's a lot of magic in this world that we're not looking at. And, you know, it's beautiful. And it's just another dimension of life that so many people miss. Yeah. Yeah. With your belief, be it in ghosts or the shamanic tradition, and I'm not saying this is the case, but if your belief was incorrect, and I'm not saying it's incorrect, but if it was, how would you feel about that? Would it matter to you? Or would you feel hurt by it or, or would it affect you anyway? Or would you just go on living your life? Or It wouldn't affect me because, because what I see and do is lovely. You know, it's, I get to talk to angels and light beings and help people. You know, sometimes I can be on the street and all of a sudden somebody I don't even know, and all of a sudden I get a message and I have no idea what it means. And I'll just walk up to them and say, blah, blah, blah. And they'll look at me like, (laughs) and, but that, you know, that's a gift that I've been given to help other people on this planet. I think what and I'm saying. it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't care if it was real or not real. I, I don't really I'm, care where it comes from. Right. Well, maybe <clears throat> what I'm saying is, let's suppose, just as a thought experiment, that all that helping that you do for people, and you are helping people. You absolutely are helping people. And if they have PTSD, they are getting better. And whatever problems they have, they're getting better from those problems. And let's say, just as a thought experiment, that instead of angels or, you know, other variety of things that are hard to maybe show other people that are real. Let's say that it's coming from you, just you. Mm -hmm. How would you feel about that? Then I would say I'm a really beautiful storyteller and that would be fine. Then I am an even, even bigger magical being than I ever imagined. And it doesn't matter, you know, if I get to write this book or great things happen, Kudos to me. I don't care if it comes from me or from wherever, you know, it doesn't, that doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a preference? (laughs) I think I would. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think I would prefer to know that there's just a lot more helpers out there. That's not me. I don't want to auto generate, you know, I'm a, 
entrepreneur. I run my own business. I'm kind of tired of being always the the one who manifests everything. So are you saying like that it's, think it's that more comfortable to know that someone else is driving the bus kind of thing? Try, someone else is driving, kind of driving the bus or that there are um, guides and friends and others who will support you in your journey in life. That just feels better to me. It's more comforting to, to think that there are other people, beings in control and that it's not all on you. Or not even in control, but just offering their wisdom and their assistance. Helpers. That there are people helping you help others. Correct. And it's a nice to know that there are beings around that can work in your life to help you if you think that you're at whatever point not capable or ready or can do it yourself. I think it's just the, I think, I think the ego gets involved when you think that you do it all yourself. And I don't think uh-huh. ego has a place in spiritual work. It okay. has a place, but it doesn't need to be the driving force. So it makes you less selfish in that way less inward, less narcissistic, less, less narcissistic, yeah. insular mm-hmm. that I'm helping you, but it's not. Me, I'm a conduit. I'm the way I'm helping you is I'm other things are working through me to help you. Mm-hmm. What if we said, I'm not acting as a conduit <clears throat> and it's not me, it's not all coming from me, it's you that I'm helping, helping, and I'm helping you help yourself. Well, isn't that, isn't that the greatest gift of all, if you could empower somebody else? Yeah. And then they can just go off and they don't need you. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the greatest gift you can give anybody, is self-empowerment. Yeah, that's yeah, where you're coming from. Yeah. You are listening to Being Reasonable on WHUP. You will listen to our conversation with Bob as he discusses his belief regarding inequity and injustice in the world coming up after this short break. As with all the songs on this podcast, the following song I recorded with my good buddy, Joe, who has suffered from long COVID for the last seven months. Hang in there, man. Thank you. 
something is what something is to me Guess it's better than something Something's better than nothing Cause nothing is what something is to me Guess it's better than something Something's better than nothing Cause nothing is what something is to me Better than something Something's better than nothing Cause something is what something is to be and injustice in our country specifically, and certainly around the world. And those are things we need to be aware of and not fight back against. So if I was to encapsulate the belief is that, that there is a great deal of injustice and inequity in the world, and we should correct that. Absolutely. And uh, the first step to correcting that is simply being aware of it and acknowledging it. A lot of us like to bury our heads in the sand and say, all that happened long ago, it's not happening now. So it's it's done. We fixed it. And clearly, we haven't fixed it. On a scale from one to seven, how confident would you say that your belief is true? <laughs> seven. And on a scale from one to seven, how, is import how important is it for you to believe in true things? Uh, I'm sorry, a car was going by. Oh, that's right. How important is it for you to believe in things that are true and real? Oh, gee, those are probably both sixes or sevens. Um, I think we all want to believe in things that are true and real, and then we, of course, all have our own understandings of what is true and what is real. How do you know that your belief is true? That's a tough one. Uh, you know, I started off saying I'm very much scientific, method-based, very evidence-based, but that really doesn't come into it when we're talking about uh, equity when we're talking about justice. So 
that becomes much more of a gut feeling and uh, discussing with other folks and trying to understand their point of view and, and what they're seeing in terms of injustice and inequity. So the primary reason why you believe the belief and believe that the belief is true is via gut feeling. Unfortunately, yes. Is knowing something via gut feeling, is that a reliable way to know whether something is true? Uh, in a vacuum, no. Uh, but it's definitely a guidepost. And uh, so then you, uh, from there, you start working towards gathering your evidence so that, uh, and, and be open to change. Maybe this will help. Uh, let's say Jimmy is sitting next to you. And Jimmy believes that we don't need to strive for uh, equity. We don't need to strive for uh, justice because we, that's not a problem. That we live in a, in a country that that is not an issue. And the reason why Jimmy believes that is he has a gut feeling that that's how he is, how the country works, that's how the world works, and that's how he's come to believe his belief. I'm a third party. I'm hearing you and Jimmy discuss your belief versus his belief, and his belief is basically diametrically opposed to your belief, how, just me sitting here, how would I be able to decide what is true, what is real, what is a, a, a real belief, a, between a true the, belief? Between the three of us in a vacuum, you wouldn't be able to tell because both of us are coming from that same basis of, of gut feeling, of uh, history and things that we know. But uh, I would... And, and Jimmy's feelings, uh, gut feeling on this, are absolutely valid. Uh, uh, in his experience, it's not an issue. So uh, my first step would be, well, let's try and investigate some other people's experiences that maybe you haven't experienced. Let's go out and look in, in a community that's outside of your social circle, outside of your community, and uh, see if you still understand the same things afterwards. And I'd, I'd have to be willing to change my beliefs as well. Yeah. So you've experienced inequity and injustice, and let's say Jimmy has not, for whatever reason, experienced that. Um, is there a greater truth there? Does it necessarily matter what you've experienced versus what Jimmy's experienced to the question of whether there's inequity or whether there's injustice in the world? Or is it based on experience of that? Uh, inequity and injustice exists in the world, whether we believe it or not. So it's an objective uh, universal there, belief. There is some objective reality out there. It's how we can comprehend it that becomes subjective. So it seems that you believe in an objective truth, a universal truth. And in this sense, how could we discover, how can we get closer to whatever that is, whether it is what Jimmy believes that there's not inequity and justice in, injustice in the world, and you obviously do believe that. And if the universal objective truth, let's say, is that which you believe, I'd like to believe that. And if it's what Jimmy believes, well, I'd rather believe that. I, I, let's say I just want to believe it's true and real. How can I find out? How, how would I be able to discover that? Uh, I don't have a, a solid answer for you. In our, in the specific instance that we're talking about, uh, how you would figure this out would be to talk to a lot of people, 
from uh, disparate and varied backgrounds and uh, try and understand, is there inequity in their experience? Is there an injustice in their experience? And you have to go into this with the understanding that if uh, inequity and injustice is out there in anyone's experience, then it exists. If an experience is is experienced by a person, then that makes that belief true? I'm just trying to understand where you're coming from. Uh, It makes it true for them, yes. True for them. Okay. So we're saying that that, at that point it's a subjective truth, it's not a universal objective truth? Yeah, there are uh, things like does gravity exist? Okay. That's going to be a purely 100% objective truth. But uh, getting your foot chopped off hurts. Some people may have no feeling in their legs, right? So now it becomes subjective. For uh, for me, I know that it would hurt. For them, it I might see. not hurt. So that be- there's a subjective aspect to it. And uh, injustice and inequity kind of falls into that realm of there is a necessary subjective part of it. Maybe this will help. Um, so these box of clean breath Mentos, <laughs> <laughs> they're much better than Tic Tacs. I have an old-fashioned from uh, yonder. It's better. <laughs> yeah. There's an even or odd number of breath fresheners in this box. I don't, let's say I don't know what the truth is. I don't know if it's even or odd. Let's say you don't know if the number is even or odd. But could it say, could we agree that there is a universal objective truth there that doesn't matter what I believe and it doesn't matter what you believe, that there's just, it's just, it is what it is? Yeah, as long as we both agree on the meaning of even and odd, then we can absolutely agree that there's either an even or an odd number in that box. Maybe we should use a different, a different example then. There's the sun right there. Could we agree that the sun exists? It's here. It's there. We are experiencing it. I we're think experience- we could agree that, yes. Okay. So could we agree? So we're not, we're agreeing that we both see the sun or are we agreeing that there is something, that there is that ball of fire in the sky that's functioning in nuclear fusion or however it works? So I guess what I'm saying is if we don't exist, will the sun keep on shining? Will it keep on working? Will it keep on doing what it does? Or does it require us, our existence to do that? Yes and no. Uh, I I would like to believe that, yeah, there is an objective sun out there that just exists, period. But if there's nothing to perceive it, how can you say that it exists? There's nothing to claim that it exists. So if we don't exist, then nothing exists? Yes. Hmm. How do we know that? Oh, or, or how do we test it? I, I don't know. Hmm. I don't I know how to make myself not exist so I can test this theory. Is What do you think, and this is an interesting conversation, I've, I haven't had it quite like this before, and it's, it's interesting. If, what do you think the better default position is? Is that... The sun exists, and whether I don't exist, it exists, or 
the sun exists, and if I don't exist, then the sun ceases to exist. Just how you know about how the world works. Um, I think the better assumption,、uh, better being the operative word, is that the sun exists objectively. Yeah,、uh, because that、uh, that provides for continuity after we we cease to exist, and we like to believe in the whole continuity of things. But you're getting into you know Schrodinger's box and the cat, and whether the cat is alive or dead, and it depends on observability. So you're saying that the sun could exist for one person and not for another person?、Uh, theoretically, it might be possible.、Uh, could there be an even or odd number of breath fresheners in this box? Yes. For, could there be an even number for you and an odd number for me? And they're both true.、Uh, that is probably possible in some ways of looking at the universe. How could there be an even number of breath fresheners for you and an odd number of breath fresheners for me?、Uh, well, I'm no、uh, particle theorist. I'm no、uh, quantum theorist. But there's a whole different、uh, ways of looking at the universe and how the universe is、uh, very much based on perception. If there can be an even or number of breath fresheners for me and an odd number for you, and the sun could exist for one person and not exist for another person, could it be said then that, with your belief, that in it, in it there's inequity and injustice, and someone believes that there's not an inequity and justice, that both are equally True.、Uh, yeah, both both are subjective and equally true in individual experiences. Are they、yes. e- are they equally true objectively?、Uh, it's very difficult to pin down objectivity in this in this circumstance. Are all beliefs true? Almost. I, I can't think of any belief that couldn't be true somehow. Is there false beliefs? The, yeah, there has to be. There have to be beliefs that are、uh, that have internal contradictions. They would, I would, I think we would have to define those as false. Like, false. I can't think of any you know, off the top of my head, but those things have to exist. If everything can be true, and really, I'm trying to understand where you're coming from. If everything can be true, how can there be a false belief? It seems like if I believe it. If I believe there's an even number, if I believe the sun doesn't exist or does exist, then that belief, by definition of me believing it, from what I understand what you're saying, makes it true. Yeah. If you have absolutely no experience with the sun, yeah, then for you it does not exist. And、if、I don't have experience with the sun. Then it does not exist, or does not exist for me. It does not exist for you, and as far as you know, it doesn't exist until you start interacting with other intelligences and try and understand their experiences. And they will tell you of their experiences with the sun, and then maybe you can,、uh, through their experience, understand that hey, this thing they call the sun probably actually exists. 
I'm trying to understand how me understanding someone else's experience or not understanding someone else's experience has anything to do with whether the sun exists. I'm, I'm trying to understand that. Well, if uh, you have absolutely no experience with the sun, mm-hmm. no input, okay, no data, no anything to give you any reason to believe that sun exists, mm-hmm. why would you believe it exists? I might not. Until but someone how- else tells you, hey, there's this thing called the sun. I'm still trying to. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to understand how my experience of seeing the sun, or my experience of not seeing the sun, or someone telling me about the sun, or me, me someone not telling me that about the sun, has anything to do with whether there is a sun. I'm really trying to understand. I'm trying to get there. I, I understand. You're trying to identify that there is some objective reality outside of your brain. But I, I think what you're oh. telling me is that there's not. I'm uh, telling you that there might be, but it's very difficult to identify. So the way we identify those things is reach out to others and, and communicate with other intelligences. You, know, you and I sitting here talking to try and figure out how they think and what they perceived and what have they perceived that's different. Maybe this. If I've never seen the sun and then no one showed me the sun, but then show, someone shows me, let's say, a video of the sun. At that point, can I say the sun exists, or do I still need to see it with my own eyes and physically look at the sun? Well, you, you now have some evidence. Uh, how much you trust that evidence is, to a large degree, up to you and whatever your other experiences are. But, yeah, now you have at least a crack in that facade you had of the sun doesn't exist. You're never having had a concept of the sun before. Now someone has given you this concept, so the crack in the edifice is forming, and you may go uh, investigate further. So the reason why I do this show, podcast, is that we seem to live in a time where people have very different beliefs, sometimes very polar opposite beliefs. And it seems to be getting us into trouble in this present moment. And I'm thinking about, I know we're talking about the sun, we're talking about breath fresheners, we're talking about, you know, things like that. We're getting a little esoteric. We're getting a little esoteric. But what I'm thinking about, you know, bringing it back home, is that if half the country believes that vaccines work and half the country believes that vaccines are dangerous and we all have our personal truths, it sounds like you're telling me that if I believe that vaccines are dangerous and are going to kill me, then vaccines are dangerous and are going to kill me and the belief is true. And if I believe, whoops. No worries. If I'll fix I, it on my way out. Oh, good. If I believe that vaccines are helpful and vaccines cure, I'm sorry, vaccines prevent viruses, then they do that. And that's dependent on my belief and it's not dependent on anything objective. I think that's what you're telling me. Uh, that's not what I'm telling you. Okay. But uh, I can see exactly how you got there. But uh, when well, we, how, how, t- and I want to know what you're telling me. Please tell me how what is different. Uh, well, yeah, what's different uh, when we start bringing this down to the level of uh, efficacy of vaccines? If you believe that vaccines don't work, uh, yeah, that's a valid belief. But uh, then you have to explain why is it that you believe this? What what uh, information have you absorbed that has made you believe this? Uh, because. Uh, how there is piles of evidence out there that yeah. will change your belief. But how does my belief about whether vaccines are actually something that work or vaccines are something that kill me, 
how does that change whether vaccines work or whether vaccines kill me? It doesn't. My belief about the sun, how does that change whether the sun exists? It, uh, your belief about the sun not existing in our theoretical universe was because you had zero data about anything called a sun. There was no reason for you to believe in a sun. There was no information. And if I had no information about vaccines, none, could it be said that vaccines work or don't work still? Or is that dependent on my what I believe about it? Uh, well, uh, if you had no data on vaccines, then the concept of vaccine wouldn't exist in your mind. So you wouldn't be able to think vaccines don't work. So if I had no concept of vaccines in my mind, that would, that would affect whether the vaccines work or don't work. Even if, if, me personally, I don't know anything about vaccines. I'm not saying what other people know. I don't know anything about vaccines. But if I don't know anything about them, then there is no answer to whether they work or don't work. I'm really trying to get there. Uh, yes, in the universe of your mind, vaccines don't exist. So there is no vaccines work and vaccines don't work. Yes, you mentioned the universe of my mind is an objective truth, whether out there, whether vaccines work or don't work, they don't depend on what I believe about it. Right, but we're back to trying to identify, is there anything outside of your mind? I'm trying to identify whether there's anything outside of my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, how, that's why we try and reach out to other intelligences to try and understand, is this all solipsism? Is this all just uh, me spinning around in my brain? Or are there other intelligences out there? And is there potentially some objective reality that we can all agree on? So you're kind of the brain in the box kind of thing. You're saying that we're, that, are you saying that we're, you know, we are, Everything is subjective. It's all perception. Whatever we perceive is true because if, if I'm the only mind that exists, I'm in a box. And if I want to believe it, I believe it. And that's, that's what you're saying. That's, it's true. Well, it's true until evidence proves it otherwise. Or it's also false until evidence proves it otherwise. How could there be evidence to prove it otherwise? Because if I believe it, it's true. It doesn't seem like there could be any evidence that could prove it otherwise. Well, if you believe, you, you can't believe that there is no sun. I can't believe it? No, because you've just defined the sun. So now that you've defined this thing called the sun, it has to exist somewhere in your imagination. There's this thing called the sun. Uh, so you can't believe there is no sun, but you can not believe in a sun because the concept of sun has never yeah. been presented to you. But as soon as it's presented to you, so in, in my to... mind, which is the only thing that exists, if I believe that there's a sun, then there's a sun. If I don't believe that there's a sun, then there's not a sun. If this belief that you have about how the world works, if it was incorrect, I'm not saying it was incorrect, but if it was incorrect, how would you know it? Scientific basis. You, you form a hypothesis, you test your hypothesis, and you uh, interpret the results. How could we test that? How could we test whether my mind is the only thing in the universe and whatever I define as true is true? How, how, how could that be tested? 
It's been a long time since I took that intro to philosophy course back in uh, undergrad. Uh, but this is something that people have grappled with for yeah. millennia. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not a trick question. It does seem like it would be a very difficult test to perform. Right. Is it useful, do you think? Just I'd like to know what you think. Is it useful to have a belief, any belief, that can't be shown to be incorrect if it's incorrect? I'm not saying if it's incorrect. But if it's incorrect, is it useful to have a belief that can't be shown to be incorrect? Because if a belief can't be shown to be incorrect, then how do we really know that it's true? Um, is it useful? Uh, it's useful for uh, millions, billions of believers in God on this planet. Uh, it, to a large degree, uh, our major religions are you know, Christianity, Judaism, uh, Muslim, they all share this idea of a uh, an omnipotent God that you can't interact with. And there's no way to disprove that this being exists. But does it do you any good? I don't know. On a scale, in the beginning of the con our talk, I said on a scale from one to seven, how confident you are in your belief, you said a seven. And then I asked you, on a scale from one to seven, how important is it for you to believe in true things? Do you want to change that number? Or do you want to keep it at a... Uh, it, yeah, that number is absolutely a goal. I, I seek out the truth, and I hope everyone else is always also seeking out the truth. Accumulating new evidence, forming new ideas, and, and changing my mind when what I've believed has been shown to be wrong. Okay. Well, I appreciate you talking with me. Yeah? It's been fun. Yeah, good, good. This is great, yeah. The show is called Being Reasonable, and uh, it's also a podcast, which most people listen to, and uh, love for you to check it out. And I don't know if this was quite the conversation you thought you'd have, but I do appreciate you talking with me. <laughs> can, yeah, can we go do some mushrooms now or yeah, something? Exactly. <laughs> From the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsboro, North Carolina, I'm Mark Solomon, and you've just listened to another episode of Being Reasonable. Questions? Thoughts? Connect with us at beingreasonableshow.com. See you next week.
Come alive to climb that stair. 